0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You know, one of the things that I, I feel like people talk about is this aspect of, well, you know, you can't always be going up. You can't always be increasing. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of times where, you know, life's going to throw stuff at you and there's going to be down years. You know, I, I know people believe like that and live like that in the, in the kingdom. I've even heard Pentecostal people talk that way. I've heard word of faith people talk that way. <laughs> well, you know, you can't always, you can't always increase. There's, there's going to be down years, there's going to be lean years, there's going to be years when, you know, that uh, things don't really go the way you planned, you got to learn how to roll with the punches, you know, you got to learn how uh, just to make the best, you got to learn, make the best of situations, you know, and just understand, brother, that all, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but all things work together for good. And so they'll start quoting half scriptures to you, they'll start, um, linking scriptures together that don't even go together, uh, and try to form their own doctrine where there are years where God just simply can't bless you. I mean, that's what they're saying, right? Basically, they're saying that there are years where God just can't bless you. They're down years. Life throws stuff at you. It's just how, just how it happens. You just got to learn how to roll with the punches. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's never a time where God doesn't have the ability to bless you. There's never a time when God doesn't have the ability to bless you. And I want you to get that in your spirit. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments as the first thing today. God always has the ability to bless me. Put that in the comments and know it. I mean, know it in your spirit. God always has the ability to bless me. Amen, Sean. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Mike said, never-ending increase is my story. Silas said, when life shoves, push back. That's right. Put it in the comments. God always has the ability to bless me. That right there alone is a powerful, powerful thought. God always has the ability to bless me. And he always wants to bless you. That's the other thing. What does it take? See, here's what we're dealing with today. What does it take to be blessed by God on a constant basis? There's Pastor Bill Motley, I I know it and I receive it accelerated increase. And that's God's plan. What does it take from us? to see the manifestation of that never-ending increase. That's it, Mandy. God always has the ability to bless me, and He always wants to. In fact, I would start today with you guys. If you want to mark it in your notes, mark it in your Bible. Ephesians 3.20 has become a very well-known verse of Scripture for many Christians, but I want to just break it down quickly. Ephesians 3.20, Paul writes... Now unto him who is able. Now, let me stop right there. We're pointing it back to him who is able. And he's always able, as we just wrote in the comment section. He's always able. Now unto him that is able to do. So the devil cannot hinder God's ability to move. Demons can't hinder God's ability to move, nor can they cut off your covenant or your promises. Doesn't work that way. Now unto him that is able to do. To do what? Exceeding abundantly and above. All that you could ask or think, that's huge. If you just think about that practically, what that means, that I could think up the biggest thing I could possibly think. I could ask for the biggest thing I could ask but now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. See it's important that we read that right. Exceeding abundantly. That means he exceeds abundance. Exceeding abundantly and above all that you could ask or think. Now, what is it? According to the power that works in you, which he wrought in Christ, right? So the, the resurrection power, the Holy Ghost power that lives on the inside of you is the power he uses to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you could ask or think. It's by the power that works in you, the Holy Ghost. So by the Holy Ghost, God has the ability to exceed abundance in your life at all times. That's exciting, man. At all times. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so I want to show you this. If that's true, if God really does have the ability at all times to exceed abundance and go beyond whatever we could ask or think, then know this, there's never a year. There's never a time. There's never a season. You're not in a down season. You're not in a dry season. God doesn't send dry seasons. God doesn't send dry seasons to his children in the new covenant. That's not his plan. It's not his plan. And so we've read even in... um, even in the old covenant. I mean, think of how good it was back then for obedient people. And we're now in a better covenant. The Bible says you go to Proverbs 418, which we quote all the time, the path of the just, what people just in case you're on today and you wonder, why does he hammer this stuff over and over and over? Why does he hammer these thoughts? Why does he hammer these verses? Why does he hammer this thought process? Because there's a reason I do. It's not because I don't have other things to say. It's because I'll keep putting these scriptures in front of your eyes because so many people predominantly throughout the whole body of Christ believe the opposite of this. And it's not true. It's not true. And repetition truly brings you uh, into that place where you've learned that principle takes repetition. When I was in high school, I took Spanish for three years in a row. And, um, I got into the advanced Spanish class and that teacher had made up her mind that like the moment you walk through her door into her classroom, you're in a Spanish environment. I mean, she just made up her mind she made up her mind that there would be no English speaking in her class. And so basically the way it worked was she only spoke to us in Spanish. And if we needed anything from her, that we had to speak to her in Spanish. I didn't, I don't care if we had to go to the bathroom. Can I tell you, this woman would not let you leave her classroom to go to the bathroom unless you could properly ask to do that in Spanish. Literally, I'm not kidding you, because we had to get like a hall pass. It was like a, uh, they put it in your assignment book and you had, in order to go out into the hallway and go do something, you had to have a pass from your teacher. She wouldn't give that out unless you knew how to properly ask for it in Spanish. Once you walk through that door, It was Spanish only. Well, why did she do that? Because she understood that immersion and repetition are the things needed in order to obtain that knowledge or obtain that mindset, learn that subject, right? It took immersion and it took repetition. She would say that all the time, all the time. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Of immersion. So, what does that mean? When you walk into that class, you are now immersed in Spanish. There's no English going on in there. Everything, if you want to communicate with somebody else, Spanish. You want to talk to your teacher, Spanish. If you want to leave to go to the bathroom, Spanish. Whatever it was, you were immersed. You were immersed in that subject. Why do I come on and hammer these thoughts, these principles, these verses? Because as the victory tribe, we need to be immersed in the uh, environment of victory, in the environment of overcoming, so that we don't have this double-minded situation where the Bible says in James chapter one, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And don't let that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. You see, And so that's a good way to say it, Stan. He said, repetition produces revelation. If you continue to understand, it gets into your spirit. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing, hearing and hearing, hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you can't, it it doesn't come by having heard. It comes by constantly hearing. Your faith is constantly being built up. And so we go after it because it's something the devil fights hard against. He doesn't want you to have never-ending victory. He doesn't want you to have never-ending increase. You look at the life of Jesus. He started by preaching to a few, then crowds, then multitudes, then great multitudes, then innumerable multitudes, the Bible says. So even Christ increased. He increased throughout his life. Bible says as a boy, he increased in wisdom and stature. Jesus' whole life was a life of increase. He increased all the way to the point where his last act created increase for the entire earth. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? So Well, he, he increased until they killed him. No, no, no. He laid down his life to the point where now that increase spread to everybody in the body. Hallelujah. He became... So watch this. The incorruptible seed of the word became the harvest that now you and I are harvests of his seed. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. We are harvests of his seed. That's why the Bible calls Jesus the first fruits of the dead, the firstborn among many brethren. Because he's not going to be the only person raised from the dead. The Bible says there's coming a day that the dead in Christ shall rise. And then we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Glory to God. He was the firstborn of many brethren. He's the first fruits from the dead or of the dead. But there's many others that are going to be raised up. Hallelujah. And their bodies resurrected. And if we die before the rapture happens, we'll be in that group where our bodies will be resurrected from the dead. So understand something. Jesus' life was never ending increase to the point of his death, which brought worldwide universal increase. Think about that. And so I'm encouraging you the path of the just, your path, is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter. Until the full light of day or one translation till perfect day. Which means your path should not be dim in 2021 and bright again by 2024. That's not God's plan. I said, that's not God's plan. And if you haven't shared this, you need to share it because people need to have their eyes opened that you can walk in never ending increase. So let's talk about some of the things as we're dealing with our authority in Christ Position in Christ, let's deal with some things that without question provoke the hand of God in your own life. What are some things that we can do practically to ensure that there's never ending increase in our lives, week after week, month after month, year after year? I mean, if you'd like that, somebody ought to throw a hand up in the comments, throw some praise hands up in the comments because you know that is gonna be your story. That is gonna be your story. Never ending increase is gonna be your story. Look at Sean, put it in there for us. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Ever brighter. Is that the New Living Translation? Look at all those hands, you know it's gonna be your story. You know it's going to be your story, and it is in Jesus' name. And we're going to talk about it today because we do have authority. We do have um, a position, an identity in Christ. Yesterday, I broke down, and if you missed the broadcast, you can go back and watch it or listen to the podcast. But yesterday, I dealt with the difference between righteousness and holiness. We talked about it righteousness is a position. It's a place that God puts you after salvation. It's a place of right standing with God. Whereas holiness is actions that are in line with God's word. It's basically holiness. All holiness is. It means to be set apart, but how are you set apart? Because you faithfully obey God's word. That's really all it means. Holiness is obedience to God's word. That's all it is. It's not a complex subject. It's not something you need to write 900 pages about. It's just obedience to God's word. And there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. And so every Christian is righteous, but every Christian is still expected to to take holy actions. Just because you have a position of righteousness doesn't mean that you're exempted from taking holy actions. That's what the hyper-grace movement teaches, that because of what Jesus did, what you do no longer matters. And that's not true. It's not true by a long shot. And so, even in the Old Testament, there was great blessing that came because of people's obedience. I mean, I could take you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture and show you that. How about Deuteronomy 28, verse one? If you'll be faithful to obey all that I've commanded you this day, then I'll set you high above all nations of the earth. Faithfully obey. What does that mean? He said, if you obey these instructions, then I'll make sure that you're above all nations. I'll bless you. And that's what was quoted earlier in the comments. That was from Deuteronomy 28. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. That was all stuff God promised to people who would obey his instructions, right? Go on further. Look at Job 36, 11. The Bible says, God speaking to Job, if they will only obey and serve me, obey and serve me, obey and serve, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. They'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Psalm 84, 11, the Bible says that our God is a sun and a shield and he bestows favor and honor and no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Hallelujah. Those that walk uprightly. So that means if you're just looking at these verses only, and Pastor Adeboye, um, preached an entire message on this subject entitled The Master Key. And the master key was holiness, obedience to the Word of God. And when you do that, it provokes the mighty hand of God's favor upon your life. Just by obeying Scripture, you'll become so blessed, you won't know what to do with yourself. Literally, just by Obeying scripture, you'll become so blessed that you won't know what to do with yourself. I'm telling you, I am convinced beyond any shadow of any doubt that the reason that anybody is not blessed like they should be is because they aren't fully obeying. I know that's a heavy word. We'd like to blame it on the devil, we'd like to blame it on demons. We'd like to blame it on situation or culture or or whatever, where you grew up, the education that you have. I'm convinced that the reason that any Christian is not walking in the overflowing blessing is they're not fully obeying. You can't fully obey God's instructions and end up cursed. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the whole earth to find people whose hearts are loyal to him. And when he finds them, he will show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. On whose behalf? People whose hearts are loyal to him. How would he know if your heart was loyal? Your heart's loyal because you obey his word obedience is the proof that you love God. I'm going to show you that. I want you to put it in the comments section because this will change your whole life. Obedience is the proof that I love God. That's all I want you to write. Obedience is the proof that I love God. Pop it up in the comments section. Now I'm going to read you a verse of scripture that's probably going to blow some people's minds because you didn't realize it was in the Bible. And it's in the New Testament, by the way. Pop it up in the comments section. Obedience is the proof that I love God. You can't even say it, honestly. Think about this. You can't even just say it or confess it if there are no actions behind it. And I'm going to show you that. Put it in the comment. Every person watching, because this is a huge, huge point. Obedience is the proof that I love God. Listen to John chapter 14 and verse 21. This is the gospel of John chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus is speaking. He said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He just said it right there. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And then I will love him and manifest myself to him. Catch that right there. The only people who are qualified for the manifestations of Christ... You know, one translation of that verse says, and I will reveal myself to him. doesn't matter. Same thing. He reveals himself. He manifests himself to you. The results will be the same. When Christ comes and manifests himself in your life, the results will be the same. When he reveals himself in your life. John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he Who loves me? So Jesus just said, as a proof text, I know the people who love me because they obey my commandments. Look at that. Sean put up the new living. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's plain, man. Every person watching me or listening on the podcast should highlight that verse in your Bible and then take a ruler and a pen and underline that verse so that it stands out to you every time you go by that page as a reminder. In my Bible, I have that verse highlighted in yellow multiple times and then I took a red marker and a ruler and underlined every line of that verse in red marker so that when I go past that page, there's no way to miss that verse. I see it every single time. And I'll stop and read it because it stands right off the page to me, red and yellow in my face. And every time I go past that page, I'll stop again and I'll read it just so that it never leaves my mind that the people who love God are the people who obey his word. And see, one of the things that's wonderful, of course, we're covering our authority in Christ, our position in Christ, uh, who we are in Christ, the identity. The wonderful thing is, if you are in Christ, meaning saved, then you have the ability to live completely free from sin. You know how powerful that is? Sinners don't have that ability. The Bible says that not only are they dead in trespasses and in sins, but they are slaves to sin and have to do whatever it dictates to them. They're slaves to sin. Sin is the taskmaster in their life and they cannot break free from the bondage of sin. I want you to think about that. Sinners have zero ability to break free from the bondage of sin. They are dead. They are slaves. That's all they are. It's all they can be. The, the sad thing is many of them don't even know. They don't even know. You know, not to be hokey, but there was a guy uh, at a seminary. I read his paper online. He, When he wrote his dissertation for his doctorate, he wrote a whole paper on the types and shadows, um, that were in the movie, the matrix, the types and shadows of redemption. And there's a lot I could go through, but one of the things that he wrote about, which I found very interesting was that until they were set free, and I mean, this may not make any sense to you if you've never seen the matrix, but throw a hand up in the comments if you have seen it. One of the things he wrote about, which I thought was interesting was that until the one who was Neo, which is just one backwards, who, until the one who was supposed to set them all free began to set them free. Look what you see in that movie. Every human being is a slave to the machine. They're plugged into it and their life force is being sucked out of them to fuel the machine or the anti-God, anti-Christ agenda is the type in shadow. They're fueling the antichrist agenda. They're fueling the anti-God system and they don't even know they're slaves to it. Think about how powerful that is. They don't even know they're slaves to it. If you talk to the average person, they would not admit to you that they're a slave. I'm not a slave. I have. A, I can do what I want. I mean, I'm a, I feel like I'm a good person. Literally, that's how people talk to you. No, I feel like I'm a good person. You know, I'm not a slave. I'm, you know, I'm... I'm a, I feel like I do good things. I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. And that's how people talk to you. That's what they think they are. That's why I thought it was so uh, amazing that there was an old revivalist, an old preacher who said, uh, before you can get somebody saved, you got to get them lost. People are like, what do you mean by that? Before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost. He said, yeah, because most people think they're good people. Well, you know, I'm I'm a good guy. You know, I do good stuff. I'm, you know, I think I think I help the world. You know, I'm a, that's how people think about themselves. They think they're fine. They think they're good, and that's the problem, because there are, there's none righteous. No, not one. All are born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so when people think, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm fine. I'm, a, you know. A, you got to get them lost before you can get them saved. You've got to get them through preaching to see their need for a savior. That your personal good actions and your good deeds do nothing to purchase salvation for you. You can carry as many old women's groceries across the street to their car as you want and still end up in hell at the end of your life. Because it's not about how nice you are. It's not about how many good things you do for people. You could give to charities for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter because it's by grace through faith. It's about the sacrifice of Christ and accepting the gospel message. And so until you, before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost because people think they're good and they're not good. They're not good. People are not inherently good. It's what the Bible teaches. Bible teaches that. And so, hey, Ted Melton, I love you, buddy. And so understand in that movie, The Matrix, that's what that guy was writing his dissertation about. He said, uh, they didn't even know humans were plugged into the machine. They were slaves fueling the system and they didn't even know it until the one who it was prophesied about would come and set them free, began to unplug them from the machine. Man, that's a powerful thought. You think about the fact they couldn't unplug themselves. He had to come and unplug them took them out. And then they woke up to a new life. They woke up to a new life. Well, that's the thing. That's the point. A sinner is a slave to sin. They, they have to sin. They have no choice but to live in sin. But with our position in Christ, here's the exciting thing. The Bible says that through our position in Christ, Romans chapter six, verse 14, where Paul writes to, um, the church in Roman tells them that you'll no longer be a slave to sin. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. That's the power of being in Christ is that now, not only am I no longer a slave to sin and it can't control me, but now I've got the ability to, to take actions and make choices that please the Lord. You see that? Brian asks the question on Periscope if we accept the gospel and struggle letting go of some things, does that put us unsaved? And the answer to that, Brian, is that after you get saved, the Lord expects you to take actions, like I said a moment ago, of holiness and obedience to his word. And so Paul said it this way. He said that even the apostle Paul, you think of how powerful he was, all that he did, wrote, you know, two thirds of the New Testament. Even Paul said, you know, daily, I have to put my body under. This is 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven. He said, daily, I have to put my body under and make it do what it should so that after having preached to others, I will not become a castaway, or one translation, a reprobate, uh, someone that lost their salvation is what he's saying. One translation actually says disqualified. You don't wanna get to the end of your life and find out you were disqualified. That's a horrible thing. And Paul said, if I don't put my body under control, my flesh, that's where I'd get, that's where I'd end up. And so Brian, the answer is, as I I dealt with this yesterday, you know, making a mistake, committing a sin, it doesn't take you out of your righteousness position. We have provision for that. The Bible says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so you can repent, but if you go to begin living in unrepentant sin and leave the plan of God, as I said, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, but you can leave him. He'll never leave you, but you can leave him. You can leave and go into unrepentant sin and say, I'm done with this. God's not gonna force you. See what I mean? He's not gonna force you to obey his word. But in Christ, as we accept the gospel, as we come into the kingdom, in Christ, we have the ability to take righteous actions, to actually obey God's word. And the Bible says that when we do so much blessing, comes upon the obedient, that it's mind blowing. Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And in context, if you read Matthew 6, the things they're talking about are not spiritual things. They're natural things. Lord, we're, you know, we're worried about what will we eat? Where will we sleep? What will we wear? Natural things, clothing, housing, you know, whatever, your income. And he said, let me tell you something. The Lord takes care of, of the animals, the, you know, the, the creation. They don't think about those things. He said, these are things that the Gentiles think about. But if you'll seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will just be added to you. See what Jesus is promising there? Just be obedient to the word. Just be obedient to the word. And then all these things that other people are dying to get will just be added unto you. Hallelujah. That's it. Consider the sparrows. Consider the lilies. Look at creation. They're not begging me to provide for them, but I just provide for them. He said, the same will be true for you. Just seek the kingdom and my righteousness. All these other things will just be added unto you. That's powerful, man. You get that? The master key, obedience to the word ensures that you'll always be abundantly blessed. Let me read to you what the Bible says in Psalm 1, one of my favorite places in the the Old Testament. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3, listen to it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now look at the results. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In all that he does, in all that he does, he prospers. Think about that. I mean, think about that. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) That's powerful. All is taken. And that's Old Testament again, by the way. That's Old Testament. And in all that he does, he prospers. Somebody just by faith write it. That's going to be my story every year. That's going to be my story every year. So I started with that because I want you to see, and I took the most time in the broadcast on that one point, because I want you to understand that is, as Pastor Adeboye said, the master key. Everything else falls underneath that banner. So, well, how do I be blessed? What are the keys to blessing? Obey the Bible. It's like, you know, everything else you just break down, it's in there. It's in there. It's going to be my story. But I will, I'll break some things out here at the end to show you just a couple things that I could back up with scripture. Obviously, everything we teach, we back up with scripture. But I know that's for some people that are newer to Christianity, they need it a little bit more. And some people that aren't new need it a little bit more. So let's talk about some aspects that can hold you back truly from God's best. First of all, relationships. Some people have not released relationships, people that don't, they speak doubt and unbelief. Maybe they're not in the kingdom of God. You know, they they are always mocking what you do. Oh, you go to that church, oh, you guys speak in tongues? Yeah, I bet you think that's real. I bet you think that's a real language. I bet, oh, what do you give 10% of your money to that church? Oh, I I bet you do. You give all your money, oh yeah, that's all they want over there is your money. And you got these people around you that are relationships maybe from the past that refuse to follow Jesus. They refuse to obey the word. They're not even in the kingdom, but they're still in your life. And for some reason have an ability to speak into your life, which I still don't understand. And that's why Paul commanded the Corinthians, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And that's not just in in marriage. That's also, I got no time You know, I understand people always, you know, they misinterpret. Well, you know, Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus was not having sinners speak into his life. You know, Jesus didn't have like three guys that hung out at the bar on the weekend. that came around. Well, you still trying to produce those miracles? You still trying to lay hands on them people? Jesus wasn't having sinners speak into his life. In fact, if his own disciples even got to the place where they said something that was contradictory to his mission or to his purpose. He'd rebuked them fiercely. What about when Peter tried to say, oh Lord, you'll not, you're not going to die. They're not going to take you. They're not going to crucify you. He flipped on him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Called him Satan. And that was his friend. That was somebody that was in the inner circle of the disciples. You know, you had the twelve but then you had of the 12, Peter, James and John, the three that were the inner circle. These are the three that actually had the highest faith, the faith to raise the dead. Then Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm leaving the rest of the nine behind, but we got to go raise this dead girl. Mark chapter five. I need the ones that have dead raising faith. Come on, Peter, James and John. These are the inner circle guys. And I'm not talking about some sinner. These are people that he anointed called And these are the tightest of the tight. And the moment they spoke out of line, Jesus flipped around. Get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, rebuked. So if Jesus is willing to rebuke his inner circle for like one wrong confession, one wrong word, you better believe he didn't have sinners speaking into his life and doubting and mocking and unbelief. I mean, if Jesus saw that there was mockery, he'd just walk and leave everybody behind. Literally. Oh, you you want to mock me? No miracles here. I can't do miracles here. Not amongst a bunch of mocking, uh, offended people. Can't do it. And so that's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, Proverbs, I believe it's 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I don't need people dulling my blade. I need people sharpening my blade. If you get done with an hour, two hours with your friends and you come out feeling dull, you got the wrong friends. Listen, if you get romantic about who's in your life, and I'm not talking about your wife or husband, I'm about friends and connections. If you get romantic about that say, well, I couldn't let them go. I've known them since high school. Tough. They've chosen not to follow Jesus. They've chosen to mock the things of God. What kind of relationship can I have where somebody just constantly mocks and fights against my best friend? How, let, me, let me ask you a question. How close would you get some, to someone that every time you got around them, they just started mocking your wife? Making fun of how she looked, making fun of how she dressed, making fun of all that. How she talked. Or ladies, ladies. How close could you be with somebody that every time you got around them started mocking your husband, talking about him, talking about his weight, talking about how dumb he is, talking about how stupid, how, oh, he's not good for anything. How long could you be friends with somebody that mocked the one you're in love with and fought against the one you're in love with? Can't do it. Can't. Sean said, I might end up in the spirit of slap. <laughs> Gotta watch that spirit of slap. It'll come on you. But he's right. And you think about it. You're not going to have close, tight relationships with people that mock your spouse. Or what about your children? Every time you get around them, they're bad-mouthing your kids. You know, your kids are really dumb. You know, I've seen a lot of dumb people in life, but your kids take the cake. They are stupid beyond measure. You imagine how I'm not, I'm not hanging with those people. And then you got people in the world that mock God, mock the spirit, Mock speaking in tongues, mock the church you attend, mock tithing, mock miracle signs and wonders, you know, have something snarky to say about it. Peace, buddy. I don't have time. I don't have the time to to link myself up with unbelievers. I don't have the time. You don't have the time. If you want to be blessed. It's time to cut out. You notice what Jesus did? I was mentioning that story a minute ago where they went to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead in Mark 5. Do you realize what he did? He got there, everybody started mocking what he was saying or what he said. The girl's not dead, she's only asleep. And they laughed him to scorn, the King James says. Mocked him, laughed at him. You know what Jesus did? threw them all out, every last one of them, threw them out. And the only people that remained in the room were the mother and father who had faith he could raise her from the dead, the dead girl, and the three disciples he brought with him, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. That's it. Because when I need a miracle, when I'm believing for my next level, I don't need people in the room that are just going to point and mock and laugh that I'm believing this way. I need only people that will say, I'm with you. God's going to do it. I'm telling you, this is your year. You're going to have what God said you're going to have. You remember what the Bible says? I need people that even if I get attacked to the place where I start, uh, you know, get into a place where maybe I, the devil wants me to doubt and I start feeling the heaviness of what's going on in the world. I need friends that are coming to and say, hey, hey, forget that. Listen to what the Bible says. You remember the word you got at camp meeting? You remember what the Lord told us at the beginning of the year? You remember what pastor preached and gave us a word and direction for the year? Don't forget that. Remember, this is what God's gonna do. I need people that'll take the corners of my mat, like the paralyzed man in the New Testament. He couldn't get to where Jesus was, but they picked him up and they brought him to where the anointing was. That's who you need. That's who I need. Relationships of faith. Stop making your tightest friends sinners. It's such a dumb move for people. That's such a dumb move for people. Don't make your friends sinners. Well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus ate with sinners. He ministered to them, but that's not who his circle was. (laughs) That's not who his inner circle was. It's not who he traveled with. It's not who he ate with, not who he slept with. Riding on boats with. You understand? Jesus guarded his inner circle. And so I want you to hear it. Relationships can hold you back from never ending increase. Because if you listen to the wrong voice, you'll take the wrong actions. Listen to the wrong voice, take the wrong actions. Listen to the wrong voice, take the wrong actions. And that's what happens to people. They're like, yeah, you know what? That is true. That is true. You know, I, I should, I should you know, temper my faith with wisdom. You know, that's what people will get you to think like that don't know God. I should temper my faith with wisdom. What does that mean? Faith in God is a lack of wisdom? No, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so understand, you got to guard your relationships. You got to guard your confession. The Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is an unruly evil. It gives the analogy that a ship, which is massive, a ship is massive, but is guided by such a small thing, a rudder, that little rudder guides the direction of the whole ship, no matter how big it is. And so the Bible says your tongue, though a small member of your body, will guide your entire life. And it's an unruly evil, which means that you've got to submit it to the Holy Ghost. That means you can't just say what everybody else is saying. You've got to say what the Bible says. One of the reasons people step out of never ending increase, they can never control their confession. And part of that might be because they can't control their relationships. And so they got people speaking into them negative words. And they're like, yeah, you know what? That is right. I mean, I got to use common sense. And then they start saying the same thing. Let me tell you something. That's the power of having right environments. That I've got the right people around me. I'm reading the right thing. I'm watching the right thing. I'm not watching the wrong things so that I'm guarding what's coming into my life. See, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, and I believe it's verse number 23, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. Now, you think about the fact that the whole Bible is wisdom, but within the wisdom book, the Bible, the Bible gives us an actual book of wisdom, Proverbs. And if you read chapter one, you'll know that the purpose of Proverbs is to make wise people wiser and foolish people wise, young and old alike. So the whole book is given to us to build wisdom. So the one who in a wisdom book is given a wisdom specialty book, who is wise, Solomon, says to us above all else, if you're in the midst of the most concentrated wisdom book and the wisest one says above all else he's now giving you the pinnacle of the pinnacle the bible is all wisdom proverbs being the middle part of that pyramid the very top above all else it's the pinnacle what does the writer say above all else guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life You see that, or look at that. I think billion must be putting, it must be new living above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You see that out of the abundance of your heart, what happens? Mouth speaks. What happens when you speak? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them, you shall have them when you speak to the mountain. So the words you speak, create, they create. Why do you think I always bring our uh, our word back up in the broadcast all the time? We're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021. Why do you think I keep saying it? I'm creating with my words. Why do you think last year I never stopped saying it? And every time I did, billion would put up the uh, billion would put up the um, emojis. Never-ending increase, expedited favor. Never-ending increase, expedited favor. We said it through all of 2020. We never stopped believing it, and we saw it. We saw it when the world was in a mess, we were blessed. Why? We were creating things with our words, creating environments. That's not a new age principle, that's a biblical principle. Well, you sounds like you've been reading the secret, brother. That's a new age book. No, it's not about the law of attraction. It's a biblical principle. Speak whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. He that loves it will eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18:21. We were creating reality with our confession. That's what you do. Why do you think I keep saying it? We're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021 because we're going to run. We ran through January. Probably looking back, it's probably the best month we've ever had in the history of our entire ministry. I'll do the numbers here in the next week and tell you. But it looks like that January was the best best month in the history of our entire ministry. Think about that. Well, you think that just randomly happened after we declare we're going to run in 2021? That we're going to run and not be contained? That we're going to uh, uh, renew our strength, mount up with wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint? You think it was just an accident? That then as we begin to confess that through the whole end of 2020, we step over into one new month. The first new month didn't take till July, January best month we've ever had. Not, well, that's the best January. No, it's the best month we've ever had ever of the power of God. And so I'm telling you, your, your confessions create, you guard your words because when you begin to speak, you've been given the breath of life, just like Jesus. If you've got the Holy ghost, you've got the breath of life. When you release the word of God, it goes out and it has to do what it's sent to do. God said so. He said, my word doesn't come back empty. It doesn't return void. It prospers in the thing I've sent it to do. And he put his word in your mouth. So number one, after obeying the word, watch the friendships. Watch what you say. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. That's why I don't watch the news. I honestly don't. Can I tell you the trade-off? I would rather be ignorant of world events and have nothing to say in conversation with people that bring it up than I would to continually watch it, fill myself up, and then literally be overwhelmed with the spirit of heaviness because of everything that's going on in the world. I'll skip the spirit of heaviness and be ignorant in conversations. Sorry. It's like yeah, wild man. I mean, you know what we can say? Let people say all their stuff. Like, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna watch news, watch check the news with my cousin Jonathan Shuttlesworth. If you are got to watch the news, at least watch it from a Holy Ghost man that's going to tell you straight. But, you know, that's the trade-off. Oh, you? that's pretty irresponsible. If, if you ask me, you don't know anything that's going on in your world. No, I don't. On purpose. Because half of it's lies anyway. Probably more than half. It's contrived. It's stuff they want you to believe so you'll take certain actions. If you don't think it's all contrived, I mean go back and look at the stuff that just happened that just happened with Robin Hood and the game the GameStop stock. If you don't think they're controlling what people do at large in large degrees and in large portions of this nation, you don't understand. You don't understand. I know some of you didn't see that. But you know, people that wanted to go buy stock cuz it was on the rise were locked out of being able to do so to protect hedge funds. They don't want people that have money losing money. So what do they do? They crush the small man. They'd rather crush you than than people in the hedge fund who have multi-millions of dollars lose. You see what I'm saying? You think it's not contrived. They want to control. That's what antichrist spirit is. It's a spirit of control. It's a spirit of manipulation, which is is the sin of witchcraft. You look at that spirit that hates God, that Jezebel spirit, that anti-God. What do they want to do? Kill the prophets. They want to cut out the supernatural gifts of the church. And they want to control everything like puppet masters. So I don't care what they have to say. I don't want it in my spirit. I don't want it in my spirit. I told you the other week. I even spoke on it here and just mentioned it. Psychologists had to come up with a new phrase during 2020 called doom scrolling. I read that and I was like, I can't believe, I was flipping through my Twitter feed and an article came up about doom scrolling. I was like, what in the world is doom scrolling? Clicked on it and read it. It's people that got so sucked into their social media feeds during all these negative news articles and everything. It's like they can't stop scrolling. It's like one horrible thing to the next horrible thing. They're doom scrolling. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. You got to guard yourself from that. Because what goes into you defiles you, literally. And so you've got to guard yourself, have to guard yourself. So what, who you hang with, what you say, what you allow into your spirit. And then finally, I'll say this, there's people because here's, you know, we get all these prayer requests. I'm just going to be honest with you from, from my perspective in the ministry get all these prayer requests, get people to call and they'll say, would you just pray for me? I'll say, how would you like me to pray? Would you just pray that God would give us a financial increase? And I'm blown away that after all this teaching, and I understand people may not always be on, but it's like after all this teaching and you're still asking people to pray that you would be financially blessed. You can't pray financial blessings in. Financial blessings are provoked by financial seeds. That's why I don't understand. It's like the Bible teaches a seed produces after its own kind. We know that in the natural and nobody thinks it's crazy. There's nobody that goes out into a, a field and starts planting orange seeds to get a grove and expects apple trees to come up. So like, I don't understand why there's no apple trees. I dropped so many orange seeds down because even we understand the natural. A seed reproduces after its own kind. And the Bible says in Galatians six, seven, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. That, the thing he sowed is what he'll reap. So that's we knew that as kids and what did they tell us? If you wanna have friends, be friendly. Well, what are you doing? Sowing friendship and you'll get friendship. You can't sow a financial seed believing for a healing. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Healing's already purchased for you through the blood of Jesus. You don't sow a financial seed believing for somebody's salvation. You preach the gospel to the person. Whether you sow the seed or not, that's not what it does. A seed reproduces after its own kind. Financial seeds produce financial harvests. If you, listen, it it goes... It goes in every in every area. If you need more time in your life, you feel like you never have enough time. Oh, I got never got enough time. I always I wish there were more hours in a day. You know what you should start doing? Sowing your time into the kingdom of God. Go volunteer at your church. Go give your time to the things of God. Go be a greeter, go be an usher, go be a parking lot attendant, go to the worship team, go to the nursery, whatever they need. Sow your time. Well, I don't know if I could do that. I, I, just, I don't do I, you sow time, you'll reap time. Whether that means you'll be able to do less and have more, you see what I'm saying? Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That shall he also reap. I I saw a, uh, I heard a pastor, he said, a guy came into his office and said, pastor, I just wanna meet with you. I just, I, I don't love my wife anymore. I just, we don't have any love in our marriage. He said, what should I do, pastor? I just don't love her. Don't love her anymore. She doesn't, there's just no love. Pastor said, I know exactly what you should do. He said, what? What should I do? He said, love her. He said, no, I just told you I don't love her anymore. And she doesn't love me. Well, there's no love in our marriage. He said, I know, love her. He said, love her anyway. And he proved to the man through the word, love's an action word. It's not a feeling. It's things you do toward a person. And when you do, what are you doing? Sowing a seed. And as you sow the seed, guess what's going to happen? You're going to reap a harvest. You can sow it till you see it. You can sow it till you see it. You can sow it till you see it. See what I mean? And then you reap. Then you reap. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We made up in our minds. I don't know if you guys did this or made a, any kind of a uh, New Year's resolution or whatever. But we made up in our minds, Carolyn and I, that we are going to sow like crazy people in 2021. And we started on New Year's Eve service Uh, at our church, Bishop Rick Thomas Abundant Life Church in Margate, Florida. And we have a New Year's Eve service every year. And where we're we're encouraged to sow a seed, uh, almost like a a first fruit seed, believing for increase in the new year. And we sowed, and every year we sow more than the last, but we sowed this year far more than we ever have. And we dropped a, a seed in the kingdom that was a Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter, big. I don't even tell people because I, you know, religious people would just like pee their pants. And so I know it's between me and God, but I, when I say big, I mean big. It's a lot of tacos, Ben. I, I, a lot of tacos I could have bought with that. <laughs> you know, you have a problem with eating if you calculate how many tacos your offering could buy if you kept it. If I had that, I commented on my cousin. <laughs> My cousin posted a picture. He was flying back from a meeting. He was on a chartered a private jet. I said, do you know how many tacos that could have provided for hungry people? Me. <laughs> we took that charter money. I was the Judas. And so I made up my mind. I'm going to sew like a crazy person. My wife's a sewer. I mean, she's a sewer. I'm here in a meeting. I've been sewing this week. We're still sowing. I'm sewing everywhere I go. Pastors came in from other places, sewed to them. People came in, got, we gave people words, so to them. I'm just gonna keep on sowing. I got, I, so, I mean, I'm just telling you, you have to make up in your mind that, see, I have to provoke. See, I think here's the part that people miss, and I'm gonna help you with it, and then we're gonna pray, is that people think um, that they can continue on kind of like on the track they've always been on But for some reason, unbeknownst to us, God's going to change what he does for you. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. No, everything that we receive from God is not only received by faith, but we are provoking the hand of God with our dedication and our obedience. So the thing I want you to see is this, is it would be crazy for us to keep doing stuff on the same track every single month, week, year, whatever, and then sit around frustrated. I thought God was going to increase my blessing. It doesn't work that way. We know that in the natural, nobody goes to the gym and keeps curling with five pound weights and like looks in the mirrors like my biceps aren't forming. They People understand that you have to continue to level up because do you know even your muscles will get used to the same things done over and over and over. Did you know that? For those of you that may not work out like me, you, you just read about it. I, I found out that your muscles get used to the same. That's what they tell you. Don't just level up in weight. Change the way you work that muscle out. And it'll even do. If, you, if you've always just done, let's say, machine on like a, a cable, you've done cable curls for your biceps, they said switch it up. Maybe go onto a bench with free weights. If you've always done a bar, do dumbbells whatever you gotta do, do it in another position. If you've always just done flat bench, change to incline bench, change to decline bench, change to chest dips on the bars, change it up. And the muscle doesn't know what's coming to it, but it's always got more coming to it, so it has to produce. And that's the key. We get comfortable. The human uh, system is this, I can become comfortable. Did you know that our minds look for patterns? Our minds look for patterns. Did you know that our subconscious looks for patterns? Let, let, me, let me give you this before I pray because this is this blew my mind. I was reading this, uh, the psychology on this. Our mind looks for patterns so that it can kick that thing into an autopilot mode so it doesn't have to think about it while it's doing something else. Did you know that when you drive home from work, your mind kick, kicks that into an autopilot? You know, do you know how different your mind is? I, I was, I didn't know that this was a thing. People make fun of it, but it, I, I studied it out. It's an actual thing. How many have ever done this? I saw a meme online that said, you know, you're getting old when you have to turn the radio down to figure out where you're going in the car. <laughs> and we, we always made fun of that. Like, you know, our parents were like, turn the radio down. I got to figure out which way I'm supposed to go. We thought, well, that's, that's crazy. You don't have to turn volume down and know where you're going. They studied it. You actually do because your mind can't process all the things that's happening at once. So it's hearing the loud music and trying to process what they're singing, what the band's doing. You got people yelling in the car. Your mind's back there trying to process what they're doing. But at the same time, you don't know where you're going. So you're trying to process what turn am I making next? And so you have to actually remove all the distraction things because in this case, you don't know where you're going. So it takes extra processing power from your mind to figure out where you're going. However, if you're driving home from work, you've done it a million times, your mind kicks that into autopilot mode and it's something that goes into pattern, I don't have to think about it. That's an interesting thing, I don't have to think about it. Your mind looks for patterns. It tries to put things into the background so that it can process new information. So what what point am I making to you? I'm making this point that if you don't guard yourself from that thing that that humans do in all areas, humans look for the path of least resistance. Well, what's the easier route? What's the one that's going to be more comfortable? Nobody wants the uncomfortable route. Nobody wants the route that takes more effort. Nobody wants the route that's going to take more dedication. That's why... (laughs) You know, people know what it takes to build muscle. Most people never do it because nobody wants to be dedicated to six days a week at the gym. Nobody wants the, the feeling of sore muscles. Nobody would. So I want you to hear this. If you're not careful, you will drop into a cruise control method, even in your sewing. Well, you know, and, and five years, 10 years go by and you're the guy that's still putting $50 in the offering plate. in the offering plate. Every time the offering plate goes by or you walk to the altar, $50 in the offering plate. And you've gone far beyond that. God's blessed you and $50 hasn't meant anything to you for years. Years. And see, here's where you guard yourself from not having up years and down years. You sow to enforce a year of increase. And that's what I've made up in my mind years ago. You know, when I learned this, That's true, Sean. Complacency kills. I agree. Complacency kills. Let me say this before we pray. Very interesting thought. I understood. I used to pray like that before I understood this principle. Oh God, let this be the year of the most blessing we've ever seen. I pray that we'll just see blessing coming in from every direction. Let this be the greatest financial year we've ever had. I don't pray that anymore. I don't even get into that thought process anymore. You know what my prayers are now? Because I understand the principle. This is my new prayer. This is the way I've been praying for years now. Lord, I pray that in 2021, you'll put the largest seeds in my hand that I've ever, your word declares you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I thank you that you're putting the largest seeds in my hand in 2021 that I've ever sown and I'll be faithful to release them into the kingdom of God. I vow unto you, Lord, I'll not eat my seeds. I'll not consume them upon my own life. I'll not use them for my own purposes or my own gain, but you put the seeds in my hand and I'll release seeds into the kingdom. The largest seeds that I've ever released in the history of my life. And I thank you, Lord, that as I Released the largest seeds I've ever released. The biggest harvests that I've ever seen are coming into my life in 2021, and I will hold my harvest in my hand. This will be a year of unprecedented increase. I start praying like that, in line with God's word, because it's your seed that provokes the harvest to come. Every harvest is a slave to the seed. Put it in the comments. Every harvest is a slave. To your seed, without question. When you sow the seed, the harvest has to come. It has to. It has no choice. It's God's system of seed time and harvest. Once the seed has gone into the ground, it must produce a harvest. Amen. Every harvest is a slave to the seed. That's exactly right. Every harvest. Is a slave to the seed you don't have to worry about the harvest coming you got to worry about getting the seed in the ground and if you're making up in your mind this is going to be my year of unprecedented increase you can push yourself to that place by dedication obeying the word guarding your friendships guarding your confession guarding what comes into your heart and guarding your seed guarding your seed Now, I don't have to wonder if this is going to be my greatest year ever. It is going to be because we're going to obey God's word to the place and dedicate ourselves to sow to the place. There's no choice but for this to be the greatest year we've ever seen. No choice, no choice. And I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to do everything I can to put the kingdom first in every area of life. I'm going to have a kingdom first mentality, a God first mentality. And if you put God first, He'll put you first. If you put God first, it's impossible to finish last. He puts you where you put him. I'll give you a verse before I pray. Last verse, I promise. I just enjoy being with you. I gotta go. I gotta go get tacos. I'm, I'm, I gotta I gotta go get tacos. Brother Ben is in the studio and we got to go get tacos. I wanna show you this. Because this right here... <laughs> You'll see this and it'll change your mind. Go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and let me me read this to you. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, therefore the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. You need to highlight this in your Bible. First Samuel 2.30. For those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Or... Uh, If you read in the New Living, listen to how it says it. I'll honor those who honor me, but I will despise those who think lightly of me. That's heavy, man. That's God speaking. I will despise those who think lightly of me. You know how heavy that is? I'm going to despise those who think lightly of me. Which means... You cannot look at God's principles and systems and say, well, I don't need to do that. That doesn't matter. The Lord says it causes you to be despised. Did you notice what Jesus said? I covered it earlier, John 14, 21. The ones that will be loved by my father and the ones that will be loved by me are the ones that obey my word. And so you can easily say from that scripture, God doesn't love everybody the same. He did the same act of love for everyone, sent Jesus, but he doesn't show his love and favor to everybody the same. He just doesn't. He's not a fool and he's not a socialist. He's not into the equal distribution of wealth. If you reject his systems and reject his commands, why would you think he'd pour his favor out on you? He doesn't. The Bible says that he doesn't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. You have to honor his systems. 1 Samuel 2.30, yes, Christina. He said, I'll despise those that think lightly of me. And so we make sure if I've got a principle from heaven, I hold it up here. I don't lightly esteem it. I don't think lightly of it. I obey it. I make it first in my life. I tithe before anything else comes out of my house. God gets his tithe first. He gets what's his before anything else. Why? Because I don't lightly esteem his systems ever. I still to this day give first fruit seeds to men of God. I still sow into the men of God personally, personally. Not to their ministry, to them, to them. You know why? They're God's men. And I want to esteem them because God said they're worthy of double honor. New Testament. Don't muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. (laughs) Amen. So I want to pray for you today. Let me just say this. You're going to have the best year you've ever had if you're the faithful I'm preaching to. This thing's going to blow your mind. I'm telling you, get ready for the best. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman that's watching or listening on the podcast. I pray from this day forward, you would put that hunger in us, that desire to not ever esteem you lightly, but to hold in highest regard the systems of the kingdom, the systems that you set up. We declare it. Not only will we obey your word, We're guarding our relationships, guarding our confession, guarding our heart, guarding our seed. And this is going to be our year of increase by the power of God. We thank you for your goodness and mercy toward us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for positioning us. We declare it now by the power of the spirit. This is our year to see greater than we ever have before. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. You know, I know when I was talking about that, there's people, God was speaking to you already about a seed to sow today. There's God's already talking to you about what to release. That's the Holy Ghost. What He's doing is He's guiding you to the place where you will see extreme increase. He's teaching you to profit. So we're gonna put the information on the screen, and I'm gonna encourage you to sow a seed today. Do what the Lord, you know what I love about this ministry too, is that I don't have to come on here and if you don't sow a seed today, we can't stay on the air. We're gonna none of that's gonna happen. We're blessed literally blessed, no debts, no, nothing that hanging over our head. We're not struggling. We're abounding. But see, God wants to bless you. Your seed is about you. If people would learn that one principle, it would change the way they think about church and tithes and offerings given. It's not for them. It's for me. My tithe is positioning me. My offering is bringing me into a place of increase. My first fruits are bringing me into a place of honor. And so on the screen, you can see it. You can go to miracleword.com. You can use PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, hashtag donate, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, but sow a seed. Johnny, my address is on the bottom of every page of our website. It's miracleword.com. You'll find the mailing address, Johnny. The bottom of every page p.o box 65116 virginia beach virginia 23467 so you can check it out there but i'm encouraging you do what the lord's telling you to do today he's asking you to do something that's going to take faith to please him because only faith pleases him and those of you that are partnering with our ministry we're going to send you this awesome book by brother hagen it's called understanding the anointing best book that i think i've ever read we gave us this in bible school it's powerful Most people don't understand the anointing. This book will open your eyes. Everybody's sowing $85 or more this month in partnership. This is our gift to you. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Sign up on the form so we know where to send it. Let us know how you gave. It's coming to you. We have people that are sowing largely because the Lord's speaking to them to step out in big ways. And we say thank you to you. We're now on television. It's going around the world and people are being touched. We're discipling people digitally by the power of God i'm excited we're going to make more of an impact in one year than in the history of our ministry because god is good and he's doing it god's doing it and so thank you i want to say thank you for sowing your seeds and thank you for standing with this ministry carolyn and i love you very much and uh, there's so much to say Uh, we'll run the promo new kids stuff uh doors are opening i'm just telling you you need to get in one of these revivals go to the website Find out where we're going to be. Find out when we're close in your region. Don't wait for me to come to your town. I'm not doing, I can't run to every town in America. Come where we are. I'm just telling you. It'll bless you. And we want to see you. We want to see God touch you in these revivals. I love you. We're back again tonight, 7 o'clock. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Back live in the morning tomorrow. These final days of two weeks of revival. Get here. If you can't get to the church, tune in on Facebook or YouTube. It's going to be powerful again tonight. Love you guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.